It's the 12th, and you know what that means? We are obligated to do a, an informal podcast bit for our podcast. I mean, we're not obligated to do anything. Societally obligated. Not even. I mean, we've technically made a social promise slash social contract to do this. Yay! So, so there's an obligation. It's not a strong obligation, but it's an obligation. Yep, we're in the cockpit. That's what Justice means when he says strong social obligation. Exactly. And... I have an actual myriad of topics this time around. Crazy. It's almost like we went a month without doing this one. Oh, we did. Holy shit. Yeah, we had a fright flight before this, bud. October is really nice for us. Yeah, it gives us that little time to build up stuff. First, I should probably apologize. I attempted to review a horror movie every day of October. But that would have involved watching a horror movie every day, which he quickly learned he does not like to do. Oh, no. Not even the fact that it's horror movies, I think is what you're saying, but just the I, task of watching a movie. October has made me realize I don't like movies. I like some movies, and... You don't like long-form content. Like, I think the perfect number that you're, for me, That you're supposed to be constantly paying attention to. I think the perfect number for me is like one or two movies a month. Yeah. Understandable. I think it's arguably just like you don't like longer-form content, especially if you're supposed to be actively paying attention to it the entire time. Like... You're generally fine with a lot of different video essays, but that's because it's a lot of video essays when they're done by good creators, in my opinion, have like these weird breaks where it's a bit frenetic here and there. So it's changing enough. Well, there's a channel we both watch and some of our listeners enjoy called Quentin Reviews. Yeah. And his videos are gargantuan. Yes, but there's a variety of so many different things happening. And it's honestly perfectly fine to tune out and tune back in and you don't haven't really missed anything. Oh, even that. And then he also has like legitimate like intermissions within his content. Yes. Yeah. No, I, just, I think I specifically found out today and through October that today I was watching a new show on Amazon Prime. Yeah. The Devil's Hour because Peter Capaldi's in it and I like him as an actor. Yeah, he's a good actor. Like, not just from Doctor Who, but he is good. Yeah. He has, like, a good, strong performance and he's memorable and that's what you kind of need to be a good actor. And he's the lead role, billed as the lead role. Mm -hmm. even though A leading role. Even though he doesn't have that much screen time in episode one and episode one drags on so long. Arguably, I I would say it's because the first episode of it feels like it's trying to do everything from suspense horror film kind of like an indie suspense horror film everything that the movie does except they recognize that the fact that they're doing this for a show so they can't have any of the payoffs yet but they have to constantly be building the suspense. so the way of course a lot of horror movies do that is well we're going to change scenes a lot and we're going to be very vague about things but that doesn't work in an hour long f- piece of media when you're like well we can stay on this scene for like 10 minutes you can flesh people out Instead, if you're changing scenes or doing something vague for every five minutes, you don't, you have not cemented what your show is or what what's going on. Importantly for me, about 35 minutes of the way through the episode, I just completely dropped off. Oh, I noticed. Reddit became more appealing than... I think a, a stronger statement, not even just about the show in your eyes, is I checked the show three times to see where I was at in the runtime of it. I know. I saw you check every time. I checked once at 22 minutes. I checked once at 35 and one more time at 45 minutes. And then another show. Or like we, 43. We tried another show, the ABC Murders, based off the Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, because we were scrolling through things and I was like, wait, is John fucking Malkovich playing Hercule Poirot? Yes, he is. And so we watched episode one and like, I love the ABC murders. This is I, not, the, not the book. I've never read the book. I won't make, make that farce, but I love this episode. It was a good episode. But it's a 60 minute long episode and I was done at 42 minutes. That, well, I, actually, I was done at 44 minutes. I was, I was like, this has gone long enough. Why isn't it over yeah. yet? Which arguably it could have been because it does start in on the third of the alphabet murders. The ABC murders literally made me go, hour long TV is a sin. We need to go back to cable syndication.
vacation where TV shows are 42 minutes long at max. He did. He did say that. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think it's honestly, I think it fell into the issue that a lot of syndicated shows fell into, which is it felt the need to run for an hour. Whereas we both agree and we've seen shows that have done it. And we both have agreed that it's a really good thing to do. Marvel does it really well mm-hmm. right now with their but Disney Plus shows, shows. an episode running however long it needs for the episode to tell that story is a really great thing that like internet streaming content. allows you to yeah, do. Streaming, like, internet content, all of that lets you do as much as you need and not more. Mm-hmm. And like shows like the ABC murders, which was commissioned, probably commissioned, yeah. or like the show was bought by and anyway, the people at the top of the food chain are Amazon Prime in regards to that. And they said episodes need to be 60 minutes. Yeah. And so every episode is 60 minutes. With maybe a few seconds of variation, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's like when HBO books a show. They're like, this show has to be 60 minutes an episode. No, exactly. Like, a lot of things do that because they're like, they're still very much the idea of syndication, but they're like, oh, well, we don't need ads, so I need a 60 minute runtime. Which, you know, your hour-long television is like a 42-minute runtime. Yeah. So 45 to 50. It, most hour-long shows in, on American television are 42 to 44 minutes. Yes. Depending on how much ad time is ran there. But when you change that for, like, English- other countries, you're looking at, like, anywhere, if you're including America and mostly Western European countries, you're looking around, like, 40 to 50-minute runtimes. Interesting fact I learned last night. It's wrestling-related. I apologize. Woo! <laughs> That's also wrestling-related. Was not meant to be. So I was I watch AEW Rampage and Dynamite every week. Yeah. And while I was watching Rampage, if I'm not going to keep up like on Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. I open the chat up on fight.com and yeah, like, makes sense. I'll have the AEW show chat on one side and AEW episode on the other screen. And so I was watching Rampage and somebody was like, I got home late and I'm catching up with SmackDown while watching Rampage. Gross, but continue. Because people do that. And they're like, despite the fact that I started an hour after the show started, because of all the ads, I was able to catch up with the live show. Yeah. Which implies that in a two-hour program, there is at least 45 minutes of ads for WWE for him to catch up that quickly. That would make sense. They cut to ads a lot. Sporting events. Sporting events cut to ads a lot. And WWE tries to market itself as sports entertainment. So they probably try to sell as many ad slots as sports. They also have a lot of picture in picture. Yes, they probably try to sell as many ad slots as sports programs do. Which AEW also does picture in picture. But because I subscribe from Britain because of NordVPN. Not sponsored. Hashtag uh, not spawn. I don't get picture in picture. I just get the full screen and commentary, which is great. Mm. Commentary get to have a lot more freedom when they're not being sent over the airwaves in America. Yeah, they can cuss. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting thing about how much the ad time in WWE was in regards to like how much actual show there is. Yeah, it's not it's not great. But speaking of shows, both of us started a new show as well, other than the ABC Murders and the, the Devil's Hour. I don't think we're going to continue the Devil's Hour. <laughs> no plans on it. I joked on reviewing it for the podcast, but it's a show where 60 minutes feels like 130. Yeah. But we did. We are watching The Peripheral right now, which is another Amazon Prime original show. Yeah, it's based on a book series by William Gibson, the guy who made the Sprawl trilogy. Uh, you might recognize the first book a bit more, Neuromancer. I did not know it was called the Sprawl trilogy. I always yeah. knew it as the Neuromancer trilogy. That's what I knew it as as well, but I, I looked it up because I was like, when I was looking up The Peripheral, obviously, I was like, here's the other books he wrote. And yeah, yeah The Peripheral is based on, assumedly, the entire series, but particularly named after the first book in a trilogy, which only has two books out so far which means don't start reading it there's i ever i'm too deep into too many series that are like well you'll yeah. get a book eventually i'm not just talking about patrick rothfuss at this point there's also the gentleman bastard sequence yep but but peripheral starring chloe grace moretz excellent show i thought i was going in like the trailer in the first episode summary i read yeah made me feel like i was going into something that was like 
Seo style. I didn't get that one. Maybe I was not, it. not like not like trapped in, but like full dive technology, but like some 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 form of like sword art online meets Black Mirror. So Sao season two mm. when they're able to just dive in and out. Yeah, like a sword art online meets Black Mirror. Like mm-hmm. I get you, not uh, at all. So we got, we got time travel. I hate to break it to you, bud, but uh, what you've described, sword art online meets Black Mirror, is a really bad story called Ready Player One. Yes. But, like, that's what I expected. I just expected, like, everything to be centered around the dive gear. I expected the peripheral, the titular peripheral yeah. to be the headset. Nope. We're not going to get into too much spoilers here, but, like, that's what I thought the peripheral was. Yeah. That was my assumption of what it would be, but I didn't have the same idea. I think that's because we got, like, I think we saw slash heard of the show from different sources. Because like, I had a basic idea of what I was getting into more more so than you did. I had no idea we were, we were dealing with time travel and, like... Multiple parallel reality existences. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had Which no was idea. not really a spoiler that's kind of explained in the first episode so yeah that, that i had no idea about any of that that said greatly enjoyed it binged it there's five episodes go watch them they're very good yep the episodes drop on fridays early early morning on fridays yep so anything besides shows that you've been up to or are there more shows you want to talk about I hopefully mean- besides wrestling I mean, if it's full- wrestling, you can talk about it. I'll zone out and then just like wave at me when you're done. I mean, full gear is next Saturday. Cool. The elite are probably coming back. They these, exist. These they, words they, um, mean nothing to anybody who doesn't keep up with the, the all elite wrestling. But yeah, no, not really anything on sh- the show front. I just imagined um, full gear as top gear, but with full metal alchemist cast. It's so cool. That'd actually be the worst show ever. I said it would be cool, but like, no, it's just it's a mad comic. It, it's a mad magazine style comic. It's just full metal alchemist characters, like op- talking about a car show. Oh, I was thinking it would be more like that show where it has all the protagonists from different animes. And oh, I don't know. I've never seen that, so I have no idea. But I I have reference from Mad Magazine in my brain. Or so. like Ruby Chibi, where it's like the characters in a weird and different circumstances like that's kind of where my brain was going yeah no i was thinking strictly the show top gear but with the full metal alchemist casts being the no me the too gear heads, whatever they call me themselves. too but as an anime yeah no no um not not particularly as an anime <laughs> me too but as an anime no uh other things i've got going I just started and finished Disco Elysium. I restarted Disco Elysium. I haven't finished it yet because I got distracted by stuff. It's but a cool game. It's fun. The story's a lot of fun. People that told you that there's no combat in the game lied to you. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing I heard people touting. Disco Elysium's a role-playing game. There's no all, combat. All role-playing, no combat. That's a fucking lie. I, I got in a shootout. Yeah. It, it was bad. It's just that there's not a lot of combat. You can avoid combat, and combat is not central to the gameplay or central to the story. Yeah. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's very reminiscent of, like, Disney style video games in that there's no action to be had within the game itself. Uh, uh, I was going to argue it's, I mean, you're not wrong, uh, but I think te- what you- text, text scroll adventure. I think what you're really thinking of it is it's much more of a point and click adventure game. Yeah. Point it and is click. literally a point and click adventure it's game. It's literally but... a point and click adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, all the mechanics in the game are handled by dice rolls. I'm sure you all know this by now. The game's been out for like three years, four years, three years, years but it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed the game. It does demonize communism and socialism quite a bit, which- But it also reputes, demeans, and calls for- the abolishment of capitalism as well but not the abolishment of the police because unfortunately you are forced to play as a cop yeah but it also constantly talks about how fucking bad you you are as cops honestly you're not technically a cop force it does basically point out that the rcm are a mercenary group 
No. No, you. it points out that's basically what they got started and that's basically what they are. They're not directly cops. No, they're, they're literally police. Yes and no. They, they, it calls out the fact that they're not technically cops. No, in, be- the, in the district you're in, no precinct has like run over that. But you are police, and you police your normal districts like police. You police police. Yeah. Um, so it, it's literally your either point. way. Though it calls something you are also shit. Yeah, and that your job is shit, and what you guys do is shit. Basically, it's just releasing everything is shit, and you have to live in it. Congratulations, it's the real world. Yes, not the shitty Jersey Shore prequels show thing. That- the show where Mike the Miz Mizzy and got his start before he debuted in WWE. That's the L word. No, that's the real world. I know. I was making a joke to another show I know exists that I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a reality show. No idea. But yeah, Disco Elysium, very good game. I would say, for me, it took probably about 20 hours to book through. Mm, I don't know how many hours I have into it. My game says 26 hours, 27 hours. But I know I left the game itself open, so Steam says it took that long. Yeah, also there is the fact to keep in mind that discounting aside pause menus it does have its own running timer and there is technically a time limit to the game yes but i was going on the amount of time i actually played the game which... yeah yeah I, I know but what i'm saying is like i mm-hmm. you're only gonna have so many hours that you can finish the game unless you're just constantly in the menu for like well, days also the game's time flows differently depending on what you're doing well yeah i, I realize i'm saying but like yeah because of that it, there is very much a it's not a game where you can just run around the entire open map and never interact with the story you can, but the game will still technically expire at some point. Yes. Other than that, I started another couple of video games. One's called Sigma Theory. It's kind of garbage. Not a fan. The other's Godfall. <laughs> it's kind of garbage. Not a fan. I said from the beginning that Godfall didn't look like a good game. It had good art, but the gameplay looked bad. I think Godfall could be enjoyable like as a brainless three or four hours if you're playing with some buddies but i feel like there's better ways to spend three or four hours yes 100 percent. but like if you're just gonna hang out in game for a while and you went like it's fine Meh. try to do a boss fight by myself and uh that, that's not a good idea in a game that's marketed towards co-op uh, like because i don't have godfall i have godfall challenger thing Me. which once you complete the tutorial bumps you to level 50 and then sets you free to go do like uh, okay okay i got you challenger stuff and the map that i loaded into you could switch back and forth between like it literally called it the prime material plane and the spirit plane mm-hmm. and enemies exist on both fun and enemies on the spirit plane can hit you when you're on the prime material plane and when you're on the spirit plane and prime material enemies can hit you when you're on the spirit plane or on the prime material plane but you can only hit enemies if you're in the right plane that sounds dumb as fuck and so I'd be, i think i'd be okay with it if spiritual enemies could hit you on the prime material plane but not the other way around and so the boss fight that he got in the boss had two spirit protectors protectors are a classification of enemy that mm-hmm. increased I, I figured out they were probably enemies give it a buff to its defense it's kind of the name yeah but with two of them the buffs to the defense is you do zero damage okay and so you have to go to the spirit world to fight them and kill them but he can still hit you and pull you out of spirit world with his attacks fun and then about every 30 seconds if he has a dead spirit protector he summons a new one game sounds bad boss fight was literally impossible solo like mm-hmm. i would think j- so just not possible quit out of the game was like nope not doing this bye but yeah that's pretty much been it for me oh no i started another game uh you'll have to go because i can't remember the name of the other game i started so i finished centaur world <laughs> yeah 
the songs are fun actually quite enjoyable for the most there's a few songs that i think are misses but almost every other song is a hit i would actively encourage everyone to listen to the legend of flat dallas by flula borg i love flula borg yeah i enjoy flula borg music anyways and i'd listened to the song before i literally i'd listened to the song like the week before we reviewed centaur world because josh was listening to flula borg and i was like oh shit the i got something stuck in my head now the flula borg Ninja's Sex Party collab song Self-Care Sunday was on my yeah. Discover Weekly on he Spotify. He was listening to Self-Care Sunday, and then he was like, I didn't really think about Flulaborg on Spotify, so I went to Flulaborg Spotify, and then I was like, yeah, have you never... Li-? Whatever. I ended up listening to Flulaborg, and then a week later we reviewed Centaur World, and he's a character in that, and sings. And the like serious parts of the story are actually quite enjoyable, like we assumed they would be, so that was dope. And we got fun art, and the weird lich deer thing was cool so i have to ask a a very important question yeah do we return to the real world real quotation marks they're both the real world Ooh, that's interesting but which i mean they're parallel worlds that were once connected oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah okay i get it i I might go back and actually finish (laughs) that but because of events, they got separated from each other because the space in between was used to trap the Nowhere King, also known as that weird lich monster thing we saw in the trailer. It was trapped in a space in between worlds, hence the Nowhere King, because oh, it was nowhere. That's so good. Right? I, I was it. just <sighs> like, like the lore parts of the show, I was just like, is this show doing like legitimately good lore? Like, damn, what the fuck is... Okay. 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 The, the, the llama lady singing a song again. Cool. I'll relax. She's not a Chill. llama, apparently. Yeah, she's an alpaca. Llama Wink's not a llama. <laughs> nope. She's an alpaca. Yeah. But like, no, overall, very enjoyable show. And when it takes the time to get serious, it kind of knows what it's doing there. So actually, I have two other games that I started. I forgot about one because it's so generically generic that my brain just forgot I put four hours into it. And that's Dungeon Encounters. Square Enix's attempt at an RPG mm, with mm-hmm. zero story. They, they also, should do story. Yeah, they should. They've also had a recent attempt at RPGs with almost zero gameplay and almost all story. Those are called Voice of Cards. They've done those before, though. They've made Viznaus. Yes, they have. But yeah, Dungeon Encounters, fine game if you don't care about story. The story does exist, but it's all like in character dossiers and item descriptions, not in in-game events. Yeah. The other game I started and I've got a little ways into is Long Riser 1. Ah, yeah. I forgot about that. So did I. That's the one I went to go find the name of. Makes sense. Uh, I forgot completely about Dungeon Encounters. But <laughs> Long Riser is like, it's a Fire Emblem style game, except instead of like just having units, all of your units are in, in fact commanders with different levels of... It's Fire Emblem by Nis. Yes, it's Fire Emblem by my favorite game studio. That's exactly what it is. But instead of having individual units, you have units who command groups of units. Yeah, and which you... arguably make more sense when we're talking about massive wars and so, battles that these wars are supposed to be replicating. So Fire Emblem, like the, fi- the first Fire Emblem um, for Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. and Sacred Stones make a hell of a lot of sense for why you don't have... Well, yeah, because you're like tiny little scrappy rebellion groups. But when we get to like Conquest and Birthright where you're supposed to be like warring families... Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. It's weird that it's only the important members of the royal families fighting. That's not how wars work, guys. My favorite part of Long Riser, though, is if you play on like the hardcore difficulty yeah. and your characters die... They, they die. That's, that's how you play these games, yes. But... The soldiers you can hire on at the start of every mission 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You die. just hire new soldiers. Yeah, exactly. It's not like if they don't die, you save on money next time. Look, you have to hire new soldiers. They anyway. are pointless, conscripted farmers. Their lives don't matter. I just gotta feed them to the slaughter. It's so great. And yeah, you seem so happy about that. So, um, how does it feel to be like a capitalistic overlord, not caring about the people below you because you can just buy more of them? Very nice. Very great. In a fire home style game, it's very nice to not have to care about meaningless characters I don't care about dying. Wow. Now we know how capitalism works. <laughs> the very best part is if a soldier that's under a character's unit perishes uh, no kill somebody oh, yeah. the character gets the experience for that yeah because they're learning how to become a better commanding officer it's so good i i love it so much having like fodder is just so nice like the only thing that would make it genuinely more appealing to my brain it isn't even really a good idea it would probably make the game worse unless if somehow hired soldiers could like if they've done enough damage or pulled off like enough criticals in a single map so it's a very rare thing they're promoted and they actually just become a random character that like the game just has like a backlog of characters who like have a name on sprite and they you just get one it's just like this guy's just like a fucking war hero you mean he like, murdered everyone you mean like the local talents page in wwe like yeah basically it's, it's just characters that aren't actually like characters in the story they're just like but then the game's are like no this, this guy's actually really good Boop. yeah that'd be hilarious it'd be uh, it'd be great one of the first but it also probably actually be kind of annoying in, in game because you just be like this guy never shows up in the story but he has a name so now i don't want to let him die one of the first map that you get when you you still only have two units at this point plus the soldiers they can recruit is you're, you're staying overnight in this village and it gets attacked by barbarians okay and one of the fell states is if all the villagers are killed makes sense but there's one route that a group of barbarians takes that puts them through a choke point where they can only come through one at a time <laughs> so i just took two of my grunts and stood them in that choke point i was like your guys's job is to die you yeah. will die while no, exactly I, well you give me time to get all the villagers into safe locations you will hold this choke point while we evacuate like no like it sounds heartless but it honestly reflects the idea of a battle better than other games do without being as annoying as most rts games i was just like you stand here and you die yeah like it gives it's arguably in my opinion probably the best middle point you get between a tactics games and a real-time strategy game by the time you both die my guy on horseback will be back here to kill these barbarians but right now he's killing other barbarians so villagers can get to safety yeah makes sense greatly enjoyed it i need to put some more time into long riser probably some more time into dungeon encounters because i as much as it is generically generic it is fun and i like some of like the depths of the math of the mechanics what i don't like is sigma theory that game can go eat a dick i don't remember how i that's because got... you're all about beta theory no i'm over here being an alpha yeah alpha beta sigma whatever omega that whole, i don't fucking that know whole sh- that whole shit's bullshit sigma theory is a okay. espionage well, intelligence well, game well, like, if that whole shit is bullshit it is true but there's multiple those bullshits <laughs> it's all of the bullshit it's true the only alphas and betas that exist are wolves specifically in captured units like wolves under human surveillance in fenced in enclosures well technically they exist in every fictional reality where they're made but generally okay, those are true. bad fictional realities and i guess it's not just wolves most um probably most canines i don't fucking know that, but that, that would make Anyways, but, like you're talking about how bad Sigma Theory is. Yeah, so Sigma Theory is, it's very much like a Civ game in some regards. Okay. But you play as the head of a spy organization and you're trying to implant your spies in other countries to steal their scientists and yeah. whoever researches the most Sigma technologies it's first. Project Paperclip the game. Yeah, and so, but instead of researching nuclear weapons, you're researching Sigma technologies, which includes stuff like fully converting to solar energy or rewriting human genetics. No, that's still Project Paperclip. Project Paperclip was just take the weird, crazy 
these scientists from the big evil country and make them ours. But I hate the game with a passion because I'm on my third playthrough. Okay. And I'm on my third attempt at the game. Because the first two games, I lost two of my highly skilled spies during extraction missions. Sag. Which I was like, okay, I get it. They're not physically strong enough to like... So game three is like, okay, I'll take one of my really smart spies. These spies have two stats plus a bunch of like tags that tell you what they can do. Like if they're a hacker or a seduction. Yeah, like, makes sense. There's a bunch of stuff they can do. Like, but So I took one spy, really good at like the intellectual stuff. He had mm-hmm. a high mind stat. Had him go in, find the Sigma scientists that work for this country, locate them, get the black hole information on them, and get them t- to betray their country. Okay. And then I sent in a literal tank, not a literal tank, a, t- a, a human who's has very high physical stats. Yeah. Like the highest physical stats of any spy I, I had recruited in either of the three games. I had both my drones, because you only get two drones, a recon drone and an airstrike drone. Had both my drones sitting on this location, which recon drones increase the, the speed at which you can extract. Makes sense. It's almost Air, like they know things. Airstrike drones can disrupt police forces. It's almost like they blow things up. Mm-hmm. So everything stacked in my favor. I spent the extra day in in this country acquiring very strong physical weapons, like assault rifles and shit. So my spy had good weapons with good strength. Yeah. And still captured on their way out on the extraction. Everything stacked in my favor. Alarm set. Alarm for the country is like 40%. Yeah. So they're not even that on guard yet because default is 50%. Like I had. Okay. Yeah. And still got. No. Fuck you, Sigma Theory. I'm done with that game. That game is a <laughs> shitty mobile game that got ported to Steam and it can eat a dick. Nice. Yeah. Have I, you ever thought that maybe you should be trying to pay to win? There isn't a pay to win option, which is interesting for a shitty mobile game that got ported to Steam. It may have been a pay to win on mobile. Mmm, fair. I have no idea. I know nothing about the game. I know in order to recruit spies, you have to choose the correct dialogue tree. That's better than most mobile games, at least. It's it's interesting because, like, before you start your campaign, you have to select a, you have to build a team of spies. Mm-hmm. And your first run through in the game, there's like 12 spies to choose from. You can only have one elite spy and uh, the the other threes are called normal or called general spies. Okay. But you have to like read their backstory and dossier and then use that to influence the dialogue tree to recruit them. If you don't give them a reason to come and work for you, yeah, obviously they won't they do it. But every time you play the game, you will unlock more spies that you can attempt to woo on As your side. As do, yes. And the spies that you've previously got talked into joining you, you don't have to do their dialogue tree anymore. You only have to do it once. Understandable. Then... Yeah. So that's interesting. The game has a lot of like interesting little things that I like. But it just fails overall. Yeah. Sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Video games and podcasts and TV shows. I'm not going to talk about the podcast because you all, you all know about System Mastery and the rest of them are wrestling based. That's not true. I've been listening to a little bit of Deep Cuts and a little bit of Chiluminati. Nice, nice. But mostly just System Mastery and wrestling podcasts. Yeah. I've been listening to the normal stuff I normally do. One Shot, uh, Campaigns Kajak, System Mastery, stuff like that. Oh, but speaking of listening, yeah, Connell Jolled released an EP lat yesterday, two days ago, Thursday, tenth, the tenth. Actually, it was the eleventh, I believe. Mm, Just the night of the tenth at twelve a.m. on the eleventh. It was the eleventh. You're right. So literally yesterday. Yep, bangers all around. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. You don't know who Connell Jolled is? He's a streamer. He's a fun streamer and a musician now. He had a couple singles before this, but now he has a full blown EP. Yep, he's a very good musician. Yeah, I quite enjoy his stuff. Yes, I don't know how describing like some of it's rap. It's got rap in it, Mm -hmm. but mainly it's like pop i guess but it's sure. not pop because pop is defined by being popular in music it's good yeah you got anything else i did but i lost it i'm sorry sorry that your brain sometimes functions like mine that was just so much sigma theory stuff yeah i don't like that my game. brain turned off during that i don't like that game there's a lot to talk about with it i think that sums up our podcast i don't Wait. like a thing <laughs> yes the mole we both watched another show 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we watched it because the premise seemed enjoyable. And then after episode three, actually going into episode three, we watched it because we were angry at it. We hate watched eight more episodes of this show. Oh, I've never hate watched something so hatefully. It was just a lot of yelling about how dumb things were. So, The Mole is a game where 11 contestants and a spy, essentially a mole, the mole. work together to earn as much money as they can for the pot. The last person remaining wins, wins the, the money. Yeah. The mole, on the other hand, is trying to sabotage their efforts to earn money. The mole is trying to... That, that phrase is a bit disingenuous from the way it can be interpreted. Mm-hmm. The mole is not trying to win money. The mm-hmm. mole is trying to prevent the other 11 from winning money. From what we know, the mole does not get any incentive for no, taking away more money. They just get paid for their job. There is actually an in-game state where there can be no winner. Like, that is a possible in-game state. If the last three people are, are there are the mole and yeah. two other people, which the mole will always be one of the last three. And they, and they don't identify the mole. Yes. And the two other people choose each other rather than the mole yes it's a game state with no winner that said the mole is actually two games it is best interpreted as two separate games one game where everyone including the mole kind of maybe maybe not depends on their contract everybody except the mole yes is actively trying to put as much money into the pot as possible. So Never taking any options to remove money from the pot unless removing some money is in favor of a larger return in the long run. Yeah, so like when they got the chance to double their money for the prison escape. And then they realized they needed more time so they could spend a bit of money to increase their time, but they still came out overall above where they would have been at the initial goal of not doubling. Yes. So anytime you have an opportunity to maximize profit, you do that. And that's how that part of the game should be played. Everybody should be attempting to maximize profit. I think Justice and I like crunched numbers, and the total prize pool should have been like close to two hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand dollars if everyone had played the game appropriately. But the winner walked away with one hundred and six thousand, and like that's not bad. What is bad is one player who was not the mole actively spent twenty five thousand dollars of the pot money. To not have to take the quiz, which the quiz is what determines how people go home in this. And, the quiz- and, it, and it relies on the other game, which the other game is interact with people as much as possible and try to figure out things about them. And then using all of that, keeping just all that in mind, because you need to know things about all the contestants. Also, finding out who's the most suspicious and actively sabotaging things, which is easier when everyone's actively putting money into the pot. And then you take a quiz and the answers that most align with the mole, the person has the most correct answers with that, stay in. The person with the most amount of wrong answers that are reflecting of the mole, go home. Yeah. So the two games are A, maximize the money, do the best you can in the tasks, and B, a social deduction game. Yes. None of the players played it that way. None of them. Not a single one. Mm. Oh, no, actually, that's not true. There was like two that were doing it. The person that actually won was playing the first game the correct way. Yes. And so it was another guy that got eliminated very early on and then didn't get brought back when he should have been because it was be maximizing money that they desperately needed because someone had just spent $25,000 on a chance to not take the quiz and go home. This game show enraged us, but apparently the mole is actually based on an older game show. Yep. From also like on the Netflix early that you can 2000s. Find. Well, some of the episodes are on Netflix. Yeah. Like the- Seasons three and four, Celebrity the Mole. Yeah. Which I have no interest in watching. I don't want to watch The Rich Get Richer. I already do it every day of my existence. This is the relaunch of that property. And- And it is infuriating. I don't know how better to put it. The only one good thing about the show, and it hurts my brain because I've been conditioned to not expect this at any time, is that this show 
Episodes do not typically end with the results of the quiz and the person going home. Often, we end with the, before the results of maybe a mission or just when we get to the quiz. And maybe we'll see the person going home at the beginning of the next episode. This show likes to make a cliffhanger of when people are going home or some big event happening. It is not each episode succinctly, hey, the end of the show, here's the person getting eliminated. Which is honestly probably better suspenseful television. But also, my brain says it's wrong and I want them to stop. It is wrong. They should stop it. And I hate this game show. The mole is terrible. It's wild that I have that, we, that you and I both have such a massive different take on it. Because everybody I've heard talk about the mole talks about it like this is what all game shows should be like. Like they're all like this is what game shows should be. Um, what? A couple podcasts I've listened to have talked about the mole. What? Just in, yeah. For some reason, this is what people like. What? There, there's a kit. There's a kitchen version of this. But called... this was bad. Mm-hmm. Me too. I agree. People liked it though. But this was bad. Yes. Just watch, like, the fucking YouTube in the box things. Those make more sense. The imposter gets more money. And and it's not long term. And it it is just one game. Find the one person. Make money. My favorite part of this show, The Mole, is there's a single moment where the contestants are told knowledge is power in regards to one specific thing they're doing. Yes. And for some reason, every player in the game latched onto that. And they're like, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. I'm like, motherfuckers, this isn't Survivor. Fucking no. Money is power. This game is all about amassing the greatest amount of wealth you can as quickly as possible. Especially because guess what do you want to know what the people who survived the longest game plan was and they all shared it and they all acted like they were super smart because they had this brilliant idea spread your answers around as much as possible to hit as many people as possible and maybe lean slightly more towards the person you have suspicions of and that's how the majority of people stayed in the game as long as they did because anybody who had dead set suspicions and was wrong knocked themselves out if they weren't right yep the only good thing is i picked my winner from the first episode and they actually were the winner that's always fun to do in a game show yeah yeah. I, I didn't feel much achievement like I do in other shows where it's like you watch someone struggle and stuff. Also, also the most annoying part about the show is, not the most, but the second most annoying part is the mole. Everything about the quiz is about the people and their relationships. And we spend no time getting to know these people. And so we have no idea why they're reacting the way they are. And we get like, oh, I think it might be this person. But we have no idea about anybody. We hardly see questions on the quiz. So there's no chance for the viewer at home to even attempt to play along. That's a big thing. At least half the game is a social deduction game, but we're given none of those social elements. It'd be like if Survivor like only showed the competition bits. Only showed the challenge, and then you were like, well, I wonder why they voted that person off. And she's like, I guess they didn't like them. I don't know. (laughs) They looked like they did pretty well in the challenge earlier today, but maybe they said a mean thing back at there. Maybe Mm. Survivor is the perfect game show. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The perfect game show. Fuck the mole. Survivor. Personally, I like Chain Reaction. Chain reactions very very fun. Also, I like Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior is not a game show. Fuck, you can win. Um, it's a game. It's not a game show for money, but you well, can win. The thing is, game show. I also like um. Actually, it's also a game show. I also really like Game Changer, which is also a game okay. show. I also really like Play by Ear, which is also a game show. I like drop out game shows. I didn't say that Survivor was the best game show to watch. I said it's the perfect game show. In that it no, is, it's formulaic. Like build is really, really great for a game show. Yeah, it, it's the perfect blend of social plus. Are, are you? I think the better terminology is it's the perfect competition show. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because I think there's a difference between like these long form competition shows like Survivor. I know there are other shows, but I'm failing to forget their names. Fear Factor was kind of one of them, but it was an episode by episode basis. But like these shows where it's not just about the task, but also the person. Yeah, um, there was a knockoff children's Survivor I used to watch as a kid. It was on like a Discovery Channel 
panel. Mm. I don't remember. Anyways, Survivor's a very well formatted show. I have one more piece of overwhelming hatred to talk about for the um, the mole. It's very simple. I think it's in episode two where they're separated into two teams of six mm-hmm. and put in a room. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And if neither team does anything for 45 minutes, they add $10,000 to the pot. But they can try to figure out a password to push a button. And if they do, whichever team pushes the button won't have to take the quiz. All they had to do was Your chances of going home were already so marginally low at that point in the game. The fact that you have such little confidence is bad. And even more so because it's in a game where you're split half and half. So your only information on a possible mole is going to be from someone in your group, which is already going to be hard to get information on. Especially because the argument should be that the mole is just going to go with what the majority of the group wants. So... There was no... There was was no mole detection at all in this game. There was impossible to detect a mole in this game plan. Like Mm -hmm. this this specific game. But both teams... could have just set it over 45 minutes and added a total of 10% of what the total prize for the show was to the pot. Mm-hmm. But instead, one team decides to play for safety instead of playing for the money. Yep. Like, with 11 people, 10 people up for elimination because the 11th person is the mole. Yeah. So with uh, with 10 people up for elimination, your chances of going home is 10%. Mm-hmm. Your chances of staying are 90%. Maximizing your money at that case is the best course. Also, it's, it's like it'd the- be really, really easy to, I don't know, split the quiz when you have so many people. It's literally the prisoner's dilemma, and it's ridiculous that, like... They all felt... The worst part is, one team was completely fine with being like, yeah, we're, we're just not gonna fucking do anything. Like, that's easy. But from there, it's when the game switched, and people only cared about knowledge and not money. Yep. And then episode three hammered that home when they offered the files about people. Mm-hmm. The mole, terrible game show. Hate it with a passion. Literally Same. hate watched it. I'm upset that I hate watched it, because it means Netflix's numbers for it went up, but... There was a lot of anger that just needed to be felt. Sometimes you need to feel these things. So, the mole was interesting to me as a game in that because there are social aspects to the game. Yeah. If all the players come in and are like, look, we maximize the money, we never take an option that hurts the money, mm-hmm. we play for money, whoever manages to figure out the mole wins. That's the that's the yeah, game we're look, playing. It, I would argue that the first one's not even much of a game. It's literally just, hey, this is just a thing we're all doing. The game we are playing is figuring out who of us doesn't like money. Yeah. Like, if you get an entire group to come in and just be like, we're going to do the missions as well as possible, regardless Mm -hmm. of... Because people who weren't the mole were sabotaging missions to make people think they were the mole. That way other people would vote for them. That way that person would go home. It's like these people thought they were playing 4D chess when they were just playing chess. Yeah. Now, arguably, they thought they were playing 4D chess, but what they were confused by was the fact that they had a chessboard over here that no one had touched. And they had a game of tic-tac-toe over here and some pennies. And they're like, all three of these must be related. Yeah, they're not. Do you have anything else? Because I think we could keep harping on the mole, but... No, I think I'm good. (sighs) Okay. So I think that's going to be the In the Cockpit for this month. We we thank you for joining us in the cockpit while we discussed the shows, games, music we've been listening to, and while we raged about the terrible game show that was the mole. Is the mole? Technically, it's media, so it doesn't die. Sadly, it's an is. I'm hoping it's a was and that it's canceled. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be preferable. Anyways, if you want to get in contact with us and tell us your opinion on things like Survivor or The Mole or that you've watched The Peripheral and that you think it sucks, but you can be wrong. If you think it sucks, you probably like The Mole, don't you? Wow. <laughs> you think the game is compelling because they sabotage each other. Wow. But you can reach out to us. 
at our email at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can find us on the steamy cesspool of filth that is Twitter at copilotsreview. You can find both those links as well as links to our Discord, YouTube, and Patreon at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Also, if you want to do a parody account of uh, Copilot's Review, please do. You'll probably post more than we do. And that sounds like a better account. Just if someone wants to do that, go ahead. It's fine. You won't cost us $20 billion by posting fake Exactly. We didn't even talk about that. (laughs) I know. Anyways, though, guys, thank you, and hopefully we'll catch you on the next flight.